0: Hello, Rip City! To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and with me today, the Apple Valley NATO himself, at the Mohammed. AQ. What's up, my man?
1: Hey, what's up? Thank you uh, for having me on. It's always a pleasure to hop on.
0: Always good to have you, man, and... You, you bring such a nice, calm vibe in here. I can stop yelling right off the... See, I try and come in. I gotta come in with the energy. You know, oh, let's go. Let's get up on this. Uh, and, and you bring us right back to center. I like it. See, it's, it's a good balance. I think we can make this work. So we may have a good balance going. We, can, we have a good balance starting here. But there's been a... a, a someone who was at a bit of a imbalance, I think, is maybe the best way to put this. Let's just start out with the hot, hot topic from this last week. It's been a little over a week since we recorded the last. Uh, a lot has happened. One of the most inflammatory of which would be Myers Leonard uh, throwing out some anti-Semitic slurs during a Call of Duty match. We don't need to go into detail on any of this, but let's hit on it real quick. Wow. (laughs) I don't know. uh, I don't even I don't even really know where to begin. This guy, this is obviously not the first time he said it. He throws out a really poor apology uh, where it just it ends up. I mean, honestly, the apology almost made it worse. Saying that you don't know what this word means, as if somehow that excuses using it in in uh, out of context uh, during a video game for trash talk. It was obviously something like you could hear if you heard the recording. He obviously kind of took a pause and thinks, okay, what can I say that's offensive? You know, so like, he he's not going for he's not going to to be civil here, and he went way too far. The league has fined him. He is suspended, I think, from uh, Miami Heat for a week. And a quick update on that Myers Leonard and a future second round pick have now been traded to Oklahoma City Thunder for Trevor Ariza. Two former Blazers in the move, one going each direction, but not a lot of value for either one. Which is, uh, honestly, the, the 50000 k fine is essentially all Adam Silver is going to do to anyone at this point. James Harden got 50000 fine for uh, everything he did early in the season, like, you know, ditching his team, trying to get out of Houston. Uh, Everything that, that out there that gets fined seems like it's about $50,000, and that, I guess that's the cap for it. But the week suspension is something at least. Uh, that's, those are games that he missed, game checks that he missed. And beyond that, I, one conversation that we've kind of been having, at least in the studio uh, off air, has just been, this dude Myers was, he was one of these guys that would say, I want to stand for the flag instead of kneeling, but I'm still here for unity. That stance, trying to take that middle ground stance, you're going to have a really tough time with that at this point. I, I think anyone that would ha- want to take that kind of stance is going to have a really hard time saying, no, 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 I'm not going to kneel, but I still, I'm still, i still with you guys, when, when he gets caught in this kind of moment, uh, saying anti-Semitic slurs uh, on a live stream in front of you know countless countless people countless young fans listening young minds being influenced thinking this is okay it's absolutely not uh so i'm gonna keep rambling here but aq please jump in tell me how are you feeling about myers right now
1: yeah i was i was very disappointed but also not surprised um when the whole uh anthem situation happened back in the bubble I knew then that there was a different vibe from Lars Leonard. Uh, I think that my my biggest problem was kind of like the apology, if you call it that, uh, and the fact that he said <laughs> he didn't know what he meant. Like, I'm not going to say the word, but it's not a common word. It's a word that yeah. most people don't know. Most people don't, don't know what that word is. Um, and he said it, you know, kind of a little, a little bit too calm and confidently, like that it's something that's in his Somewhat everyday vocabulary So Yeah I was extremely disappointed Um, I think that He didn't get enough Of a punishment In my opinion Um, uh, And yeah Yeah. I'm not a I I stopped being a Myers fan After the whole um, Bubble situation With the anthem And now I'm for sure Never Being a Myers fan I'm glad he's not on The Portland Trailblazers Yeah I I, Yeah
0: I think you're 100% right And and I just want to echo too This is not enough of, Of a punishment In my eyes either uh, he absolutely should have been punished more. When I was saying this is what the NBA does, I'm, I'm just saying, like, they should be punishing him and Harden and a lot of these guys that are doing some things more than just a you know, broadband standard $50,000 and whatever else. It's not enough to actually curtail any sort of uh, bad actions, but yeah, it's, the, the whole excuse, the whole apology of I didn't know what the word meant so, as if that is supposed to stand for something, you don't I don't need to know the the root origins of, of the N-word to know that I shouldn't use that in conversation, whether I'm being civil or trying to antagonize someone or not. It, that, that's, it's, off, it's off limits. You don't do it. Uh, and this goes the same direction. Any sort of uh, bigotry should go that direction. Any sort of a bigoted language like that. But yeah, that's – anyway, I that I think – I feel like I cleared my system of, of wanting to say about as much as I can on, on Myers. Anything else you want to toss in here or should we get on some uh, brighter and better news?
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and do that.
0: All right, so uh, the former Blazer Myers, we're, we're moving on from him, but we have a current Blazer who has been kind of behind the scenes now, but we just got news this afternoon, what, maybe 20 minutes before you and I started podcasting, that CJ McCollum is coming back! He's back, baby! Next game. Uh, so tomorrow, tomorrow against the Pelicans is the news. He's been out two months, give or take a day, uh, with a broken foot, and, you know, the, the, we've been talking a bit about a... Uh, we we've, we've been talking before a bit about how the Blazers aren't the best with uh, injury updates. It's always okay. Well, the player will be reevaluated in in two or four weeks time, and they kind of slide that reevaluated part in where I think a lot of fans read it as, oh, okay, two or four weeks, he'll probably be close to back. And really, it's like ah, maybe two or four weeks after that you can start hoping for it. Uh, so it's, it's I, I think uh, especially with recently we heard Nerf in an interview say that his wrist was feeling good, that he could be back any day now. And now we're hearing it's probably another two weeks for him. So to hear that CJ is coming back tomorrow, uh, I feel like this is very good news for the Blazers overall. It's uh, it's it's definitely a kind of a shot in the arm where Dame has been carrying us. We've had a lot of good play from some of the younger guys, but we've also had a lot of inconsistent play from uh, Mello, good at times, bad at times, from Rodney Hood, uh, mostly bad on both ends. Uh, <laughs> we've had we've had some issues, so I, I think honestly, if we could get some some bigger bodies back healthy, I think that would help us more right now. But bringing CJ back is only going to let uh, Dame take a little bit of the pressure off. So so I'm I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> what about you, AQ?
1: Yeah, I am I'm, I'm really grateful for CJ being back. He's going to take the pressure off of Dame. I think uh, Dame's defense has really regressed, and I think it's because of the offensive pressure that he has. I know Absolutely. we're going to talk about uh, the defense later on here on uh, this podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, just having somebody else, another reliable score. Melo is, you know, on and off. Gary Trent is more of a spot-up shooter. You got to feed him. Uh, you can't really rely on Cantor for big scoring. Uh, so, I mean, it's been pretty much Dame and then whatever player that steps up that uh, specific night. Um, so having CJ who I, I feel so bad because I really think he was on an all-star level or path before he got injured, which is typical Blazers. Yeah, dude. Um, So, like, I, I hope – I know – I don't want to put too much pressure on CJ because coming back from a broken foot is crazy. Like, uh, so I hope that CJ, you know, after maybe a week or two, gets back to his groove and gets, gets rolling here because we really need to start picking up some wins because the West is tight.
0: Yeah, man, I, I, I think he'll be he'll be good to bring back in here just to get more depth, more shooting, more consistency. Uh and not just the three point shooters being the other thing. I think we've had maybe uh we we we've had a number of players as far like between Gary, between Melo, Nas even, uh a number of guys that are able to stand out on the arc, but not enough that are able to kind of create their own offense, get get more going. These are a lot of players uh that can if Dame can create for them then great, but if Dame's getting double teamed, it's a lot harder for him to get off the right pass effectively towards one of these guys that stand in the corner versus CJ, who can jump into the middle uh, and, and really get it going. I I'm excited for it. Uh, one thing that I did hear brought up the other day that I think applies to the Blazers on ESPN, Rachel Nichols on the jump was talking about when is it, when is, when, uh, how many threes are too many threes, I guess is the way to ask the question. Uh, how many threes are too many threes that she mentioned, Rachel Nichols mentioned that, 61 games in NBA history have had 90 or more three-point attempts, including playoff games. 45 of those 61s have been in the last two seasons. So this has gone from being a trend in the NBA to being a game-changing kind of evolution. Like, we still have big men, obviously, and they still have value. But you look at what has happened to a player like DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, he's a super talented big man, but his value at this point is... is I mean, just basement level. It, like, I, I'm not saying that old big men are, are falling off the same way. Obviously, you're seeing Embiid and Jokic and, and hopefully Nurkic when he comes back, putting up good production, good numbers still. But if you're not stretching the floor, if you're not able to hit at a good clip from outside, just because that, that value of you know, 3 being more than 2, 50% more, uh, it's, it seems like it's, it's hard to really uh, find a spot in the NBA, uh, and I wonder what's going to happen going forward. I mentioned that 45 of those 61 games with 90 plus threes have been the last two seasons. They also mentioned on the jump, the three-point attempt represented uh, almost 40%, 39.4% of all field goals attempted this season. That's 61% up from 2012. So almost like uh, when when Dame came into the NBA, so almost a decade ago, nine years ago, 61% more threes are being attempted overall. I mean, at a certain point, it, it sucks because you know when it's about winning, you gotta follow the math. But at a certain point, when is this affecting basketball negatively? When, when is it getting to the point that we need to see some sort of restriction, some sort of regression on bringing the game back inside and making the players, uh, you know, move the ball around in a way that's not just on the arc?
1: I mean, honestly, I don't see any problem with threes. Like, I think I think threes are fun. Um, I, I I'm thinking like obviously I wasn't there, but like I wonder what people thought about uh threes when if when they were first kind of like created and the sh- and the nba moved the three-point line because i mean if you were smart enough back then you would think that hey this is a smarter shot it's more efficient if you're making more threes than twos um it works out better for you so i like that i like that players like dame and Steph are challenging everything that we've ever seen uh from three point and i i do think eventually there's going to be a four-point shot which i'm totally fine i'm totally want um because the skills are there like let's grow with a game right,
0: oh my know? god that'd be crazy
1: we sound like <laughs> you know we sound like uh you know old folks talking about back in the day like but <laughs> back in the day for me it was like this is back this is my back of the day like you know because i first started watching the nba when you know steve nash and the sons were doing their thing you know yeah
0: uh, my guy. So,
1: like, that's my NBA, you know. Maybe for a lot of the folks, their NBA was Hakeem Olajuwon and Shaq and stuff. But for me, it was the Suns. It was uh, 2009 you know, Orlando Magic, you know. I was yeah. 11 in 2009. Like, yeah. that's my NBA right there, you know. So, like, kind of grow with the game.
0: I'm, I'm with you, man. And, look, I, you know, I, nice connection I didn't realize that we had here with Steve Nash and those Suns. Uh, I was in college – I I didn't really get into basketball as much at a younger age, but when I was in college, I had some friends that were really into it. I got into fantasy ball and I was living in Phoenix. I lived down there when they had, when the Suns had Nash, uh, Amari Stoudemire, uh, Grant Hill. Sean Marion. Yeah. Marion as well. Dude. uh, Yeah. Before I went over to Mavericks, uh, that, that that roster was a lot of fun. And that's what really got me into basketball. A couple of years later, I moved back up here. I had been into basketball before, but it was minor. And then I, I moved back up here to Portland after college and just, went deep in on Blazers and the rest is history. Obviously here we are. Uh, Speaking of history though, you mentioned the three point shot. It came around in the 79, 1979, 1980 season. So we're talking 21 years ago at this point. I'm sorry, uh, 41 years ago at this point. Um, Yeah, we're talking 41 years ago that they brought the three point line into the NBA. That's almost a half century of this shot as far as the last time the NBA evolved. Like they brought in the three point shot at that point. Now we are almost 50 years later. Yeah, maybe we should be going to something else. What you brought up, though, the four-point shot—I don't know if I'm going that direction. I feel like what we need to do here is not space the floor out. Look, the NBA is not going to widen the court, right? We're not going to do—they're th- not going to do things that are going to take away seats from fans. Well, I guess maybe right now when we don't have fans in arenas, that might actually be more doable. But overall, what I want to see is some sort of move to encourage more inside play. Uh, and I don't want this just to be about, you know, big men getting fouls called for them. What can we do to make something inside more valuable as far as, you know, uh, guy, like bringing the game back inside the yard, uh, bringing some sort of value back to not just having the, the sharpshooter, uh, the sniper on the outside?
1: I know somebody on uh, somebody on Twitter was talking about, like, putting a restriction on how many threes a team Yeah, can I've shoot, heard that. Which I don't agree with that at all. Um <laughs> honestly start calling more files uh inside you know the three-point line so uh kind of making it a little bit maybe easier for the big man maybe that will be like hey it's now it's easier to go inside and you know get a get a foul call yeah uh, but
0: but that's, that's the frustrating part though is because like i i want this to happen where we can move the game a little inside or at least just away from being so three-point line dominant but yeah, if the only way you can do that is get more fouls called, that's not fun. I don't want, I don't want to see more fouls called. I want to see the game like move with flow and clean up. And if a foul gets called, like be able to review it without people being like, oh, too many reviews. You know, like it just, uh, it's yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. I don't really know where to go from there. Right. Okay, well, let's leave that for another time then. We can't solve every NBA problem today, but we can certainly talk about more of them. Uh, something else that is interesting. We, you know, we're talking about moving the game inside. We've had some news about big men. The Spurs are trading LaMarcus Aldridge, or they're trying to trade him. Otherwise, they will have to buy him out. Either way, LaMarcus is done with the Spurs. What does this mean for Portland, AQ? What does it mean uh, in your eyes as far as – should Blazers be looking to make a trade here? Should we be looking to move some pieces down there? Or should we be maybe looking – like hoping, fingers crossed, that he – uh, gets bought out and then enters the open market and would come up here. Is he even someone that would fit in Portland right now? Do we want him on this roster? Does he help our problems or is he just, you know, another piece that might give us more problems? Where are you at?
1: Yeah, Um. honestly, I would not trade for Lamarcus, but if he did end up getting bought out, I would be okay with signing him. I think depth is always needed, especially now our only reliable center has been Cantor, because Nurkic and Gals have both been a little bit injury prone. Um. So, yeah, I would love... Get LaMarcus, um, you know, get some bench lineups uh, with him, you know, maybe at Simons, because uh, that's how Dame grew. LaMarcus helped Dame's game, um, yeah. playmaking and stuff, and I can, be, can become a much better playmaker. Um, but I would, yeah, I would not trade for him. Um, if I were to make my dream trade, I always say this, is uh, for the Blazers to have Draymond Green, because he would be the perfect pick-and-roll partner for uh, for Dame, but that's never happening. Um, Another trade I think would could be really nice is uh, a PJ Tucker, Uh, you know, very defensive minded forward I think he could slide in right at the four Um, Or you can play him with some, you know him at the five lineups and I know he's going for very small right now Uh, from some Rockets fans I've talked to they said that he's kind of declined, but I always say, you know, you can never look at a player when they're on a bad team because they might not be giving the best effort. And I do think P.J. Tucker is <laughs> effort player. He's always going to give you effort. Um, and if he's not, that means there's something wrong with your team. And I, obviously, right now, we know that, you know, the Rockets are one of the worst things in the league. Cool. So, yeah, um, P.J. Tucker is one. I would not trade for LaMarcus. If he got bought out, I would welcome him.
0: Okay, I like the specification there. Yeah, LaMarcus... He's, he's on the tail end, man. He, he's getting old. He's not like Primal Marcus back when he uh, had been with the Blazers before. The dude, the dude has had trouble down in uh, San Antonio a little bit. and I mean, I wouldn't mind him here. He knows something of the system. He knows Dame, like, he, like you said. The the connections, I think, would be worth something. Uh, but I think I saw – I think it was Dustin Haas. Shout out to him. Hey. I think Dustin Haas pointed out on Twitter – Can you imagine a team with both LaMarcus and Melo and CJ all taking mid-range jumpers and and how the fans just be losing their minds? We're talking about, like, too many threes and a three-point heavy offense, especially Portland. I think Portland attempts the second most threes in the league this year so far. The idea that we would have three of the top, like, top-tier mid-range guys would just be a weird mix-up. Then again, maybe it works. Maybe it would be a good thing. Who, Who really knows? Let me ask you about someone else. Aaron Gordon. There's been news, especially today, the Orlando Magic are way over the salary cap. I think they're at like 130-ish or so, 135, something like that. And the cap is 109 or somewhere around there, if I if I remember right. Um, but, yeah, they are far over. and So they're trying to get rid of uh, – they're trying to make some space in their roster because they're that far over and they are like the second worst record in the league right now. So Aaron Gordon is a star big man. Uh, I think you'd still say power forward, right? He plays that more than center at this point. But there's been rumors swirling that Orlando is shopping him, and Portland has been one of the top teams listed as far as interest. Uh, I would love this. I love the idea of him coming up here. I think he, he's not he's not a defensive four, like you said uh, that PJ Tucker would be, or I can't remember who else you mentioned. Who else? Who um, else did I say?
1: said I just said PJ Tucker, um, but. I'm trying to think another uh, name off the top of my head. Um, you know, maybe Oh, Draymond. The Suns,
0: you mentioned Draymond. That's who Draymond.
1: I was. If the Suns are willing to deal with Dario Sarge, I, I think that could be a really nice Ooh. name. But I don't think the Suns are doing that because they've been one of the best teams in the league and he's been a reason why. So that's not happening. Right.
0: Well, so, yeah, Aaron Gordon is not necessarily a defensive player, but he's a talented uh, high-level high four. And, man, I would love to see him up here, especially if we get him for cheap. Uh, now, the, the high end of the price, I feel like, would be having to get rid of a player like CJ or Gary to get Aaron Gordon up here. But if the Magic are trying to shop him in some way, where they're just trying to clear space out and not bring as much uh, salary cap, salary space back, we could be talking. I think Danny Morang, shout out in front, front of the show, he suggested on Twitter earlier today that Zach Collins, Rodney Hood, and a couple picks could possibly get this done. I think that's a pipe dream. I love you, Danny, but that's that's that's, that's cheap, cheap. Uh, with Zach being out all season, Ronnie Hood being a shadow of himself right now after the uh, Achilles and and picks. But hey, if we get it done for anywhere near that man, that's a that's an upgrade. That's a huge talent boost. Uh, I, I'd be for it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I would love Angorn. Gordon. I think it'd be really nice. I think this team just needs more high end talent. That's why. <clears throat> James Harden, now the Nets like speak <laughs> speaking the league by a wide margin. They've won 13 straight games without Kevin Durant's services in the lineup. Uh, and Harden is, as usual, carrying. I, and I don't like Harden at all. I, he's probably my most hated NBA player. There's no way I could cheer for him the closest player to LeBron for carrying in a, a team. Only yeah, Even but, Steph Curry cannot carry a team like Harden does. But, dude,
0: we've got da- – Dame carries a team. He may not be carrying it like Harden could maybe, but I, I couldn't I, – I'm serious. I couldn't cheer for Harden. If if he somehow ended up in Blazers jersey, I don't think I could watch the season. I, I I genuinely don't think I could cheer for that man. He's a bad person. He's a bad person off the court, and his style of basketball is all about finding loopholes in the rules. It's not good it, – it's not what I see as good sport, and he's just a bad person overall. Like, I, I, I can't cheer for that man ever. Never will happen. I hope – Sorry, sorry Kyrie and KD, neither of them are really my favorite player either, so I'm not really apologizing, but I hope the Nets just crash and burn this year. I hope they fall apart, because I don't want Harden to have any success. He's a bad person.
1: Heart, <laughs> Nets-Lakers final, who are you rooting for?
0: Lakers? Oh, it hurts. Oh my god, I, how could you make me say that so quickly and easily? But, I mean, look, LeBron is my GOAT over MJ. Uh, I'm not a fan of Davis, and I'm never, ever going to cheer for the Lakers, but... Like, Harden is literally – there's been no more anti-Hero, no bigger villain in the NBA that I can remember recently other than James Harden. He's just bad. Let me get a little extra Harden hate in here real fast because no one should forget that this man actively avoided communicating with his team because he was trying to get – he was trying to work his way out of Houston. He went to a nightclub, partied maskless, photographed maskless after the NBA had set out protocols, saying that players were specifically not supposed to do exactly this. James Harden blatantly flaunted the rules and public safety for his own benefit. He's undoubtedly one of the most egocentric stars in all of sports today. He's the antithesis of everything that Rip City and Portland basketball is supposed to stand for. And as far as an MVP, I firmly believe this award is not just supposed to be about points and on-the-court production. It's about if a team, if a franchise was starting a new roster, are they looking at you as one of the most valuable pieces to start a team with? And a player who actively disregards the rules for his own gain is not a player that franchises are going to look to build around. That's that's that. Okay, enough soapboxing. Back to AQ. That's <laughs> uh, Okay, okay. I do want to touch on one more thing before we move on to kind of maybe the biggest topic right now. Uh, and then we'll do some quick game predictions before we get you out of here. And thank you for your time, sir. But uh, you mentioned Draymond Green. Like... This is another dude. I, I, I've, I have not been as critical of Draymond as I have of James Harden. But Draymond Green has not been my favorite player at <laughs> a lot of times in his career. A lot of that is further in the past at this point than, than up close. I just want to say overall, though, the dude is is a baller. He plays hard. He's got a great game. He plays high IQ. I wish he could. I don't even know how to say it. I, I I'm not I'm not trying to act like oh I want all my players to be buttoned up and all this kind of stuff. But it's just like I I, I want it to be about the game. And I feel like some of his stuff gets a little bit more about kind of the trash talking the and the getting in your head side. So that's not what I'm into. But the dude's talent is undeniable. And like you said, IQ. If there was a prototype player that. The Blazers could use as far as the gap they have in the system, it's a four or small ball five who can create offense outside of himself, uh, spread the floor a little bit, and bring big defense. And that is exactly Draymond Green.
1: I, uh, yeah, like Draymond, that's why the Warriors have a top five defense because literally since he's come to the back to their lineup, they've been really good. Uh, can I just talk about something that's a little controversial? Uh, sure please um, everybody you know everybody thinks Dame or Steph is better than Dame which you know I I, I agree um, but I would love to know why the Warriors the last two seasons have not had a good offense while Dame has not had has not had a, a not top 10 offense every year of his career Dame has always had a top 10 offense in his eight NBA seasons while Mr. Steph Curry without Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant the last two seasons, has not had a top five offense or a top 10 offense in general. The Warriors offense is bottom 10th in the league. I don't blame him fully. You know, it's hard to play offense with, you know, Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, but the Warriors are being carried by this <laughs> great defensive record. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to reevaluate this whole situation about Steph and him being like way better than Dame or Harden because those guys have carried some really good offenses in their, in their careers.
0: Wow, I, you know, bringing the fire, man. I think you make a great point. I, I think, I, 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 to be fair, you started off with blasphemy, saying that Steph is definitely better than Dame. I'm not even going to go that far. I, I, I'm with you though that a lot of uh, the NBA audience looks at the the threes and look at the kind of the highlight shots Steph has had in the big games, in the NBA playoffs, in the finals, and thinks, oh, he don't, like that all adds up to him being the best. I don't think it does. I think there are a lot of other factors. Like if if Dame Lillard had had if CJ could shoot threes like Clay Thompson, he does a lot of great stuff. But if, as far as like the fit next to Dame, if Dame had a shooter like Clay Thompson, uh, a four like Draymond, a four like Kevin Durant in there, I think we would be looking at some amazing Blazers seasons. Despite that, though, the Blazers have overachieved just year after year after year, and we can talk about that being Stots and the way he uh, runs a three-point offense, the way he lets players create for themselves. We can talk about CJ and. Find the 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 found uh, treasure that we got with Nurk, where he wasn't even Nurk wasn't the point of that deal. When we traded Mason Plumlee to Denver, we were going for picks. Nurk was like an, an additional thing, and he ends up now being like a core piece for us. Uh, There's been a lot of good for us, uh, but if yeah, if we had had the roster the Warriors had around Dame, I think that whole conversation could be flipped on its head real quick. So yeah, the. I'm going I'm to ignore the Harden part that you added in there, but I'm going to say Dame has done a great job leading these teams. Uh, and yeah, I, I think he does deserve a little more credit than what he maybe gets from the, the general NBA layman, I guess, as we could put it. Okay. So I kind of mentioned Stotts and the three point offense. And I was almost hoping that kind of poked at you where you were going to jump in on me there, but let's get straight to it. Um, you and I, AQ were talking earlier about Terry Stotts uh, and you know, the credit he gets versus how much blame should be given to him. Jason Quick just came up with an article today that you were telling me about. Uh, so take the lead on this. Uh, where are we at?
1: Yeah, so uh, Jason Quick uh, wrote an article today on The Athletic talking about how ownership and Terry's thoughts are uh, not, you know, fully against each other, but uh, some sort of, you know, they're they're pretty uneven. Um, it's become a topic uh, the topic is that the Blazers' defense has been really poor this season. Um, <laughs> I actually found yep. out that the Blazers' uh, defensive rating this year, which is 116, is the third worst rating in NBA history. No. Only behind oh God, so the bad. 2018-19 Cavaliers and this season Sacramento Kings. Uh, <laughs> and the, the question so I'm reading off, what Quick wrote, the question today rests somewhere between whether Stotts can teach defense or whether the players can play it. As the playoff racing intensifies, so too does the criticism about Sass defense, which in his nine seasons in Portland has featured more average to poor seasons than good ones. So what I think about this, I, I think it is a really good question. Um, that The Blazers do have some really nice defensive players like a Covington, uh, like a Jones. Um, but on the other side, you know, it's pretty hard to play defense when your center is Ennis Cantor, and Dame, who I love, but hasn't been giving the best effort this season defensively, whether that's because he has more offensive uh, duties, uh, not sure. But um, when you have below average defenders in a lot, in basically three out of your five starting positions, it's hard to play real defense. But the defense shouldn't be third worst in NBA history, Bad. There are teams worse than us that have better defenses. So with Terry's thoughts overall, I do think we should evaluate Terry after the season. And if they do decide to, uh, you know, let, let, let Terry go, I would not complain. Like if they do let him stay for one more year, his duck season, because his contract ends the next year, I wouldn't be against it. But if they do let him go, I, I wouldn't be, you know, an upheaval and saying, Oh my God, why did they fire him? I'd be like, okay, not the biggest thing. Nine years. Maybe it's time for a different voice.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, you mentioned both of the factors here i personnel and his ability to to influence to, to teach as a coach to influence as a coach uh a lot of this is personnel based i, I think because before we had rocco and dj in here this year like you said we canter because of nurk's injuries canter has largely been our center he's simply not a defensive presence any defense in the nba no matter what else they're doing you anchor around the center he's the rim protector you need him as the back line and when you don't have a back line there's only so much you can do add on top of that that dame not necessarily even through effort but just his physical size he's a smaller guard it's it, even if he's putting in top effort, there's he's going to be limited in what he can do add on top of those two things again before rocco and dj the uh, players that were assembling around Damon Nurk, as far as the the two endpoints of a defensive scheme here, would be players like CJ, uh, another small guard whose offense not defense. Uh, Melo coming in here is yes a great veteran presence and three point shooter can spread the floor, but not gonna try on defense. Rodney Hood, especially post surgery, a shell of himself, not a defensive player even at his best moments. There's just not been a lot of defensive guys that we that, that that team has had on the roster. Okay, as much as that is a fact. Defense is about effort. Are you, height and and size and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that's a factor, and those are those are gifts that you can't really train into someone. But reaction time, uh, or kind of like your what the reactions that your mind goes through, how quick you are to kind of hustle, effort, uh, the basic fundamentals like having hands up uh, and defensive positioning, those are things that should be taught, can be taught, and should be taught by a competent coach. Stotts is a competent coach. He is uh, arguably top-tier offensively. He helped the Mavericks get to the championship with Dirk. He was credited by Rick Carlisle for assembling a lot of that offense that Dirk uh, – that, that they built around Dirk to get there. He um, does seem, though, in his nine years in Portland, a lot of his time has been more about almost letting the players – do what they do best, and okay, we've got Dame. What he does best is three-point shooting. You get other three-point shooters out there, spread the floor, give give Dame as much room as possible, great. But when we see Dame getting double-teamed and there's not adjustments made, that blows your mind. When we see a playoff, playoff series where a playoff series against the same team is all about adjustments, and so when you see Blazers do really well and the opponent adjust, and then we do nothing but try to do what we did before, that blows your mind. Uh, at a certain point, you do have to ask questions of why hasn't Stotts evolved? Like, any player, a Dame down to the bottom man on the roster, any player out here that gets minutes, you expect to evolve his game, to add more to his game. Derek Jones Jr., one of the things I've loved about him this season, he came in here as a defensive wing and an athletic cutting wing. Not a three-point shooter, but what he's been adding, a three-point shot. He's not the greatest, he's mid-30s, but he's on the, ups, up the uh, Sorry, he's on the uptick. He's doing better even in the latter half of the season than the beginning half of the season. you got to expect the same from a coach. You have to have Stotts looking at what he's doing wrong or where his shortcomings are and trying to say, what can I do to be better about this? Whether that's adjusting his style or bringing in uh, an assistant coach uh, or associate coach, I guess what they want to call it now, uh, to aid the defensive end. We've also heard a lot of interviews where Stotts talks about uh, – Dwight James in particular, shout out to him, co-worker over at NBC, uh, has questioned Stotts about accountability, making the players accountable for bad defense. And Stotts had a number of quotes saying that he doesn't believe in accountability, that he thinks coaching is about teaching and educating, but not about holding players accountable. I I think we talked about this before, AQ, maybe a month or so back. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you can say you're a coach and not able to call out a player when they do something wrong but yeah somewhere in here man the defense has to change I I, I feel like the best we've seen during Stotts' tenure has been with a healthy roster a healthy Nurkic, and everyone else we've been middle of the pack that's good enough if we can be 15th or 18th even defense in the NBA we have enough offense to carry us far in the postseason but when we are 29th or 30th like we are right now that's not good enough it's not gonna work
1: Absolutely, over. <laughs> And no, it's, it's the criticisms for Terry have to be there. Um, I think at the end of the year, I think it's time to evaluate Terry's thoughts and then go from there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you for, uh, for letting me rant rant and get all that off my chest. Uh, you kind of, you set me up nicely. You keep me up for that whole thing with the uh, article about, uh, or from Jason quick about it, man. Yeah. I, and that really is the question of the, of the day right now is, uh, especially, I think even uh, after the last game, after the game against the the second game against the Timberwolves, one of Dwight's questions for Terry was about, okay, or maybe it was Aaron Finch, I don't really know, but uh, okay, well, you know, the second half of the season has started and it hasn't really started well so far. Uh, You know, how do you feel? What's kind of your concern? And Stotts almost did blow it off, man. It it seemed like he got a little defensive bristled a little bit and uh, didn't really want to, you know, consider the question, but I don't really know how far that's going to go. I don't know how far we can uh, kick the can down the road if the defense doesn't improve. Um, how how bad do you think it could affect us this season? Like right now we're still in the middle of the playoff run. We're that fifth or sixth kind of slot. Uh, if we didn't improve our defense, obviously with Nerd coming back and CJ, but mostly Nurk, uh coming back here, that will help. But do you think we can get out of that bottom 20 to 30? Like can we move up to at least the, that, that mid-range uh, in the NBA, like somewhere in the 10 to 20 slot?
1: No, it's going to be literally statistically impossible because we're, we're like <laughs> yeah. so ahead of the 30th ranked team or the 28th ranked team that it's literally just impossible. But even, even you know, at the end of the season, we're like, oh, look, the Blazers in the first half of the season were tw- 29th in defense, but second half were 14th or 17th or 18th. Right, right. I would take that, you know, like it's improve on the yeah. second half. What's happened has already happened. Uh, get your place to play a more effort. Um, let's get some wins going here because, as, as I said earlier, the West is tight. I lost like the Timberwolves lost last night, which was very disappointing when they had uh, a decent amount of players out. Um, that can come back to haunt you. The fortunate thing is that a lot of teams around us have been dropping points, uh, like the Spurs. Or not dropping points, but dropping games. Uh, that was my, my Premier League and soccer head getting into me. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like you know, uh, dropping games. So we've been fortunate in that. But yeah, like get this defense better, get your healthy players back, and I think we can get up to as far as the fourth seed. I
0: like it. I I, I can take fourth seed. It certainly is not what we hoped for this season. But when you have the injuries and everything else that's been going on, you get just you got to take what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I am I am curious. Like you said, we have seen seasons before where our defense started basement bottom. And then the second half, with a healthy roster, we you know there were points where fans could point or analysts could point to saying, "Oh look, the Blazers from you know let's say February to April were actually 15th or 17th in defense." Hey, hooray, we're not that bad after all. And I'm with you that that's something. But at a certain point, like we like we're saying, Stas is nine years in here, and we haven't seen kind of jumping to that next step defensively, which would take the Blazers to such a big next step. It's at a certain point that that's got to not be enough. You know, we need to see something concrete. I feel uh, to really feel good about it, but let's talk about the, you mentioned the, the Timberwolves games. We, we split those two games this weekend. The first of three back-to-back sets, I guess. I'm not really sure how you'd refer to it uh, in the second half of the season here, but we played Timberwolves Saturday and Sunday. We beat them Saturday by four points. We lost Sunday by two. We have today off and we will face the Pelicans tomorrow. And Wednesday, uh, in a similar fashion. Then after that, we will face the Mavericks uh, in a back-to-back set. We'll get to the Mavericks in a second. But how worried are you, AQ, about the Timberwolves split? And how do you feel about the two Pelicans games coming up?
1: Yeah, I think I what I think about everybody's game. We can lose or win any game at any given <laughs> night because of how bad the defense is. If you tell me we swept, we won all four games between New Orleans and Dallas. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you tell me we lost all four or split them. I wouldn't. Oh, be surprised. God. <laughs> I think it's literally because this team has come down to clutch games. We have a really nice record, I think uh, 14 and 6 or 15 and 6, um, which is really awesome. But, like, those can come back to haunt you. You can't rely on clutch games. You can't rely on Damian Lillard saving you every night. Um, so we could lose those games. Pelicans and uh, and Mavericks are really on some nice win streaks here. I think Pelicans just blew out uh, the Clippers yesterday. Yeah.
0: Nashville. Yeah, it was crazy.
1: So like, and those teams are kind of similar both to us. Like, you know, they're they're kind of I call them kind of the mediocre love boat. All of us here, uh, including <laughs> San Antonio, uh, Denver, and basically everybody that's not Utah uh, and the LA teams. We're all kind of in that same boat where anybody can beat anybody. The Warriors are in that boat. Uh, you know, Memphis, a uh, couple other teams. Uh, I Actually, let me not disrespect the Suns. I'll put the Suns up in the the Jazz and Lakers Clippers uh, tier.
0: Okay, okay. So, yeah, there's those top four, and it's hard to argue with you on, on that one. It's weird to put the Suns up there because they've, they've been in our spot for so long where they had some offensive power with no defense and just couldn't really put it together with all the young guns. But, yeah, you mentioned uh, the Pelicans coming up here being similar to us. It really is, you know, they're, are another one of these teams where they have, they have no defense. They've got awesome offense with Zion and they've got a bunch of three point shooters that can go hot or cold, just like the blazers can. Uh, so maybe it comes down to that kind of, you know, Zion's reliable two pointers versus dames clutch three point play. The thing that I'm afraid of also, like you mentioned, sir, you genius, you is that, uh, Dame's clutch numbers. Clutch numbers more than probably other basketball analytics eventually are gonna have to return to the mean. You know, like you you can only outperform expectations and outperform calculations so long before it starts to kind of average out. And I would hate to see uh, as much as the rest of the team's kind of you know been inconsistent. I would hate to see Dame kind of fall back to earth at a time where we had nothing else going for us yet. So hopefully CJ coming back uh, is a real boon for the roster tomorrow night. And, you know, it gives us kind of some added relief and just, uh, extra firepower. And, and, uh, that, that new Orleans was not expecting. But other than that, I don't even want to try and predict the Mavericks games. That's, it seems like it's too far away and there's too many weird things that could happen between here and there. But, uh, I'd say that's it for now. AQ, unless you have anything else you wanted to add, uh, it's been good having you. And I appreciate just kind of the, the quick back and forth. I know you got to run.
1: Yeah. So uh, true. No, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's, it's it's always fun to talk Blazers basketball. Hopefully we get some wins coming up here and um, get away from that. I, I do not want to do the play-in situation. I don't want to be in it. It was very yes. stressful to be in it last year. So I really hope we don't get caught up with those teams.
0: Yeah, keep us in that sixth slot or above, man. Well, we got plenty more games to get to before that happens too. But AQ, tell the fans, where, tell the listeners where they can reach you at. Uh, If they want to reach out to you about some of your takes on uh, online, yeah, (laughs) social uh, media.
1: Follow me on Twitter, at Abdikalis, A-B-D-I-Q-A-L-I-S. I I don't tweet a lot, but when I do, uh, I try to guarantee that it's something funny. So hop on.
0: (laughs) Awesome, man. Cool. That does it for this week's Quick Hits with AQ. I really want to jump on and talk about the amazing, crazy, ugly win that we had over the Pelicans last night after uh, AQ and I recorded that bit. But man, I mean, we're going to have to get this next week. There's just too much to talk about right now. But Dame scoring 50 points on only 20 shots, including game-winning free throws at the end and all the other absurdities that happened. Play just being down 17 points in the final six minutes. The crazy stats that have come out of that. We'll get to all that. But it's really going to have to wait for next week. So in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to AQ as always. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City Basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters.